0: This episode of The Citadel Cafe is brought to you by listeners like you. Visit patreon.com thecitadelcafe to find out how you can become a patron and help make this show possible. This is The Citadel Cafe, episode number 452, for Wednesday, October 5th, 2022. My name is Joel Duggan, and The Citadel Cafe is where my friends and I hang out to talk about the geeky stuff that we're into. Joining me this week, Stephen is back. You can find him at StephenESC on Twitter and on Twitch. Hello, welcome back, my friend.
1: Hello, thank you for having me.
0: Of course, of course, of course. It's always a fun way to kick off the month, having you back on the show. And usually enough time has lapsed between the last time that we (laughs) spoke that we can both have something interesting to talk about, which we will get to uh, later this evening. But in the meantime, you're back on Twitch. You're back streaming. How's that going? I am.
1: Uh, It's going well, actually. It's um, interesting. It felt bad taking time away, you know, when you've got people subscribing, but everybody seemed to be so supportive and just say, you know, take that time that you need. And I feel like now that I've come back, I've come back with, you know, refreshed and a new appreciation for it. And the chat is good. And it feels like it did early on. I've just been wearing myself out with freelance work. Day job was busier. Streaming felt like a chore, even though I enjoyed it once I started. It just felt like a chore to get to it. So it just it feels. Yeah, I'm I'm really happy with the way it feels now.
0: Nice. I, I can identify because there are definitely times and specifically lately where i don't want to play minecraft like i want to mm-hmm. sit down and stream and i want to sit down and stream on a weekend just like i normally do but i mentioned to play something like satisfactory because it had a new game update i've started a new project that i quite enjoy and it's very different than minecraft in it's look and feel so it's a nice break from like the project that i've been working on in minecraft which is coming up on two years in production on the calendar Oh no way! Yeah, no. The goal is to try and finish it up by the end of the year. I I don't know if I'm going to do that, but if I'm going to do that. I might have to start playing Minecraft more than twice a week. Mm-hmm. Um, but what ends up happening on the weekends is that I play Minecraft for two, 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 three hours, and then I switch over to Satisfactory for the rest of the stream. So the streams are like you know five hours or so, and um. But marath- I know what you mean, marath- when, like
1: marathon streamer.
0: Yeah, double header, like and I mean it's fine. I mean like I I don't have a lot of other responsibilities on the weekend. There's not a lot going on, so uh it works out but the the idea of streaming feeling like work it it doesn't yeah. happen very much but it does happen from time to time especially now that I do it more often as part of my my income um mm-hmm. but I'm glad that you found a balance I'm glad that you found a way to kind of like get back into it do you find like yeah it's feeling refreshed now like it's it's definitely more something that you're excited to do and looking to sit down for next time
1: it is actually and and, and part of me coming back to the streaming and to Minecraft, as I actually started this a uh, single player world that I had been oh. looking to start for the longest time. So it was, uh, I well, I, I started it briefly. I think soon after I started streaming originally, and you updated the Citadel, and then it was like, okay, hey, I've got two streams this week that I don't know what to do <laughs> for <laughs> because the Citadel's not up, and so I had created that world, and it was the standalone island in the middle of an ocean, and I couldn't see anything around me. and I thought this is neat and then as i was doing it the neatness the shine of the neatness wore off when i realized i have to boat for ages to get to ashore to get resources and then come back so it was, it was a lot of in the boat back and forth and then so that sort of the uh my interest in that sort of faded but then i said okay well i'll, I'll come back to it in i think in 1.18 and then and i just never got to it and then i thought oh i'll just get back to it when 1.19 comes out because, you know, the new terrain, the new world generation. And I thought, well, coming back after a bit of a break is a good opportunity to, to do that. And I just wanted to try something new. So this is the first time I'm doing modded Minecraft as well. I I feel like I'm going to add more mods as I go along. But my goal is to try to make it like a cruelty-free world if I can. So that none of the, any of the, um what do they call the docile mobs or the non-hostile mobs. I'll have no need to kill them.
0: Right, for like food or drops and stuff like that.
1: Exactly, yeah. So there's, I haven't picked them all out yet because I was I was going through a list and, I, and I'm getting tripped up between Forge and Fabric. So ones that I think are going to work, they're not doing the thing that I want. Um, but I've got one, that a great one that I like. This, it's called Eat All the Eggs. And so you can actually eat the eggs that the chickens drop. But I've, I've never understood why you couldn't do it. So like, you basically install this and you've got a scr- scrambled egg recipe. You could do... Egg salad sandwich that you can take with you, and then if you wanted to still do um kind of uh, kill kill the mobs for food, then you can do beef and eggs and then bacon and eggs kind of thing. So it's it's kind of neat. It's uh but for me I'd be just interested in the scrambled eggs and the in the egg sandwiches. But it also allows you to take a loaf of bread and put it into 12 slices. That's fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so where are you with things like fish in in the cruelty free? Like you don't want to you don't want to get you like cook fish or or use fish what about fish that drops from like other things like guardians
1: yeah i would i would take those okay. and, and and likewise there was a a chicken the other day that i happened to come up from underground and there was just a chicken and feathers there the only thing i could think of is that there might have been a mob up there that one of the um golems struck and might have hit a chicken at the same time because it's just it was just weird sure like, yeah a, a dead a dead chicken there with feathers and things about so things like that i would you know otherwise i just let it despawn and it's a waste of food
0: it's cool that the, there's mods out there to let people tweak minecraft like that because one of the mods that i had when i was playing around with modded in minecraft had, was like i can't remember what it was called but i've seen things that are similar to like pam's harvest craft and they're basically like giant farming mods where you can you can do corn and zucchini and tomatoes and like you can can basically just yeah uh and there's usually by at this point there's usually some sort of crossover between fabric and forge depending on you know if pam's harvest craft is is a forge mod then fabric would have something else that would be similar you might not get all the same things but it would be very similar in terms Mm -hmm. of the activities and stuff like that for folks that 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 don't know uh, on the off chance you're not a big minecraft player then um Forge and Fabric are modding platforms and they're separate. So what you play on one platform, you can't play on the other. And right. you can usually, only, well, you can only load one platform at a time. So vanilla Minecraft is just as it comes out of the box with Java, but then you can add these mods. And we do play modded Minecraft on the Citadel, but the only mods that we are using are like quality of life UI mods. There's not very many gameplay mods, basically because Johnny and I do the Spawn Chunks podcast about vanilla java minecraft and we don't want to have a different play experience to talk about every week on the show than what most of the listeners are experiencing so Mm -hmm. we keep the gameplay pretty pretty vanilla on the citadel um and uh I, i do like modded but i find for me and i'm curious because you've you've got some big projects on the citadel so just to kind of get back to the streaming and the time management stuff with the the new world with the the single player world do you feel that that pulls you away from, from the Citadel? Like, are you worried about dividing your time? Cause that's where I find I, I get into a modded series. It's a single player thing. I'm enjoying it. It's fun. And then it starts to get time intensive. And I think if I'm going to put this much time into Minecraft, I should really put it on this giant medieval town that I've been building for two years on the Citadel. So I can actually finish it rather than like dividing my Minecraft time between two separate worlds. Does that ever squeak into your brain?
1: It does, yeah, and I mean, I'm look, I'm hoping to become a bit of a, not that I'm going to become this great big multi streamer with a bunch of different things on the go, but I, I, there are games that that I would like to do as well. Like, um, I did Portal once, and now that Portal and Portal Two are available on the Nintendo Switch, I am going to do those again. I want to do a another Portal One run before I do Portal Two, and then I'll do Portal Two for a while. And I've got Lego and stuff, so I, I am. There is always that worry about splitting my time between stuff. But I think I'm just going to have to to do that just to switch it up, keep myself from feeling like it's a chore because I, I do really like the community of people that come to, come to my streams and then hang out in the chat. And then, you know, you, you know, a lot of them as well because they hang out in yours as well and just a, a great group of people. So
0: there's, there's a fair amount of crossover community. Yeah,
1: I, I do worry about what I put up being something that's going to keep them coming. You know, interesting for them, interesting for me, not diluting stuff too much. So it, it is a worry. I have it on my mind all the time and I just I never know what to do. But I do want to go back to the Citadel. I just I feel like I've hit a rut in terms of the town I want to build because I, I don't have a lot of experience doing that. And so part of what I want to do in this early game world is actually get myself used to kind of tweaking things that I don't want to necessarily start any massive structures or anything like that. Actually, want to take this as an opportunity to kind of relearn some of the early stuff, and then maybe get some inspired by some of the things I'm doing here, and then bring that back to the Citadel. And it and it's also uh, I've been wanting to play the 118 terrains and worlds and the 119s, but where I am and where I'm dedicating all my time is, I think it's like a 1 what is it a 115 area or something like that. So it just I have to go. I mean, you and I've chatted about this before. There's just we do have a 118. 119 area but it is quite quite far away and so it's it's um I feel like that me going and starting something like that on the citadel is I don't know in some weird way removing myself further from my 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 large structure build and just taking some time in a single player world I don't know how to explain it but just this almost feels like I can take a little break on a side project and then come back to the citadel fresh where if I start in the 118 section on the citadel sometimes I feel like then I need to do something substantial there. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but no,
0: I, I yeah, I get it. Cause that was the thing with the Citadel. It's a five-year-old server and yeah, you know, you've been on it for a couple of years now, I think. And, yep. and most people have the area that they started out in and they've kind of stuck there. Cosmic's mm-hmm. got Somerville, Alistair's got Avalon. I've got placed things all over the server, but I play a lot and and my biggest project is by far west hill and there's another big project in the modern city that uh, multiple people have contributed to Like cosmic is built there as well but it's still the there's not like here's a small build (laughs) you know yeah it's 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 things like alistair built a small build but then he built a small thing next to it and a small thing next to that and a slightly larger thing next to that and so over time his whole area has just gotten bigger because it just makes sense from the economy of time like if you're a busy adult and you don't have a lot of time you're not going to be spending no one wants to log into any video game and spend most of the time walking around trying to decide what to do (laughs) you know you just yeah exactly do what you want to do next and all of your stuff is right here so like why not you know um and I, I so I get it. Like, I, I think about the 118 area as well. And I think, like, I don't even know what I would want to do there. I know, I know I'd know i like to build in a lush cave at some point. But, you know, for me, uh, I also think about, like, starting something on a, on a Mushroom Island and, and getting, you know, uh, off on my own again. But then it's like, I also really like collaboration. And one of the nice things about doing things together on the Citadel is that, like, it's this weird thing that happens in Minecraft where it's a multiplayer server but we very rarely play together and it I happens, know. it happens, but it's like digging a tunnel or helping someone with some grindy thing, but there's not a lot of creative collaboration. And I th- yeah. think, I think part of that is because of the large project kind of intimidation. And like, you know, Alistair has got his own large project and it's like, you want to offer to help but at the same time. Like you don't want to step on any creative toes. Like the, Alistair's got a vision, you know, I've got a vision, you know, with West Hill, and so I don't think people feel comfortable coming in and like, you know, necessarily saying, Hey, I'll build a house for you because I don't, I don't, I don't think it would really, you know, be comfortable for both parties, you know? Yeah. Um, even though but one of the things that I started with the server it as an exercise in letting go, it was like, yes, that's fine. <laughs> I did not, I did not claim that mountaintop. You can build whatever you want there and just kind of having to deal with, you know, however it went, but also everybody's friends and everybody's pretty cordial and, and, you know like there's no one builds like a giant inappropriate you know modern townhouse like next to a medieval city because it just it ruins the vibe yeah. right no one would do that so um and i mean it helps that we've got different zones and stuff i don't want to, to turn this into like the citadel talk um no, no. even though the server bears the name of the podcast yeah uh, <laughs> but yeah it's like hard it's, not to talk yeah but it's cool. but it's it's cool to like look at that like because for for me like i remember what it was like doing like you know hobby streams you know twice a week um and and you only had that much time like you had six hours three hours one day and three hours the next that was all you had and trying to trying to balance like what are you going to play how do you not just become a minecraft player and one of the one of the good ways to do that as you said starting out is to do like a modded minecraft world and then a normal minecraft world and then that way it's it varies up the, the gameplay for you and the people watching
1: yeah and so I, I plan on adding a bunch of mods still i don't want to go too too far but i would like to i'd like to i guess add enough to make it a a different experience from what i get out of the citadel without taking too much away from it still being minecraft like i don't want it to be like well this is a brand new video game i i, mean, I remember when you did the the all of fabric five mm-hmm. it was um for me, personally, I felt like that was too much of a change. Like, I don't, I don't need a bazillion extra elements to mine. I mean, I have enough time, enough trouble trying to deal with the ones <laughs> that they've got in the game already. Like, the, the variety that's there right now is enough for me um, at the moment. So, there's just, there's so many layers if you put the entire, all of Fabric 5 in there, that it was just, it almost felt like it could have been a different game. And so, I'm, so I'm trying not to do that too much. It was neat and I enjoyed watching it, but I don't know that I want to do that with this world. And and I say that now, but I may just add a bunch of them and then strip them out kind of thing, but we'll see. Either way, I'm enjoying it right now, so it's good.
0: Going slowly is the better way to go, I think. Uh, Going the other direction, adding a bunch of mods in a big mod pack and then slowly removing the ones that you don't like or clash and stuff like that was problematic Uh, and Mm. you do get overwhelmed and it becomes more of an admin management task homework that have has has been assigned to your own video game play which is strange yeah Yeah, and the the thing that i find is that with mods of course most of them if not all of them are player designed and players are not necessarily developers some some of them are but not all of them and so basically it's like i'm going to add this and i'm going to add everything in the kitchen sink just because i can (laughs) not necessarily because you should Right. Yeah. So it's like here's this great mod, and it's got this one or two blocks that you really like, and it's fantastic. It also has 200 other blocks you're never going to use, but they show up in your library, or they show up in as a possibility that you just have to like wade through to find the stuff that you actually want. (laughs) Scroll. Yeah. So I I found that I found that tedious, and there are mods for other games. Like I've played um, Skyrim with mods. I've played. I've not played Satisfactory with mods, but I've watched people play with mods, and I just sometimes just like put the mod. And you you might find this too with Minecraft is like, here's a cool mod. It does a cool thing, but it basically turns the game into easy mode. It's like I I'll yeah. just play creative if I want it to be this easy, you know.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now like here's some here's six new tiers of armor that make you freaking invincible. Well, where's the fun in that? <laughs> you know, it's like this yeah. isn't a mod that you made because you thought it was good. This is a mod that you made because you suck.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, I, and it's, I'm lucky in a sense that I've got my sons to kind of bounce the ideas off of because I said oh, while well, nice, I was yeah. thinking of doing the the feather drop, there's a, there's a couple of different feather drop uh, mods that allow you to pick up chicken feathers so that you kind of make arrows without having to kill the chickens and blah, blah, blah. But they said, no, you shouldn't do that because that's probably a little too cheaty. What you should do is actually, you know, go through the trouble of it, intentionally creating a Fletcher and then actually, you know, for one emerald you can get 16 arrows i might be messing those numbers up so they just they're get, kind of giving me you know their input on you know things basically things to not make it too easy while still putting trying to keep it as vanilla as possible without i guess making it too easy you know that makes sense because the the feather drop ones it's just like if there's <laughs> i tried it one time and there were i think four chickens kicking around the village i was in in a test world and i just kind of logged out and came back in and they were just dozens of feathers all over the floor <laughs> mm-hmm. and so i was like well i guess i can make it quills and quills of arrows So
0: there's always that balance and sometimes mods will give you the control to say like turn off all these things or use all these things um there's a map mod that we use on the sigil that allows you to teleport around but we don't do that because that's not survival you know um i don't use it even for waypoints like I, the only thing i use it for is a top-down view something that i feel the game should have anyway Right? Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's where, you know, I think a lot of times people will use mods on, on Minecraft, which is a 12, 11 year old game now coming up on 12 and, right. and it's, um, it's to update the UI, right? It's to, it's to add a search bar, you know, into your inventory. It's like to do, to do stuff like that. Um, one of the mods that I really liked was an inventory mod that allowed you to connect your chests together. You had to physically connect them in the game with a cord, but when you were done you could go to one interface and access all the chests that were connected mm. and just type in what you're looking for, like coal. And it would just, it doesn't matter whether you had one piece of coal and eight different chests, it would show up as eight pieces of coal in your inventory. <laughs> you know, like, and so that, that I found was, was helpful because there was an in-game aspect to it as well. It just wasn't a make easy button. It was like, no, you have to set it up and that's fun. Yeah, yeah. That's part of the, part of the gameplay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, like, obviously for folks listening, uh, Minecraft takes up a lot of space in our brains. Um, but I've got, <laughs> I've got something to talk about, uh, in actual space. Uh, and it's a little bit of old news cause I, I, had it bookmarked for, um, a potential podcast at the end of September, but we didn't record. Uh, so the article from CBC is from September 26th. We have impact NASA slams spacecraft into asteroid in unprecedented text. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a, a NASA spacecraft slam into an asteroid at blistering speed Monday in an unprecedented dress rehearsal for the day a killer rock menaces Earth. The Galactic Grand Slam happened 11.3 million kilometers away with the spacecraft, the Double Asteroid Redirection Test, or DART, uh, plowing into the rock at, get this, 22,500 kilometers an hour. How do you steer that? Uh, you, you don't, I don't think you have to, I think you aim it. <laughs> it's math. <laughs> like you just yeah. trajectory of asteroid trajectory of spacecraft. And you just make sure that they cross at the right point. Um, cross fingers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, scientists expected the impact to carve out a crater, hurl streams of rock and dirt into space. And most importantly, alter the asteroids orbit. Uh, we have impact mission controls. Elena Adams announced jumping up and down and thrusting her arms skyward. So I watched a video of this on, on YouTube. I won't read any more of the article. We'll have a link in the show notes. But it it was really cool. Um, I I don't know <laughs> how much it actually worked. But seeing live video footage from the spacecraft mm-hmm. as it approached this deep space rock, was really really interesting because as it got closer and closer and closer you were getting higher and higher resolution images of the surface of this asteroid and it just kind of dawned like and it looks like rocks and dust in the same way that we've all seen pictures of the moon and in the same way we've seen rocks and dust in like maybe a grayer area of earth it looks like rocks and dust and i just thought it was so interesting that like I'm sure there are elements on this thing that are, or, or composition, uh, of elements on this thing that are, are different than on earth. It would, it would have the same elements I would imagine, cause that's how the universe works, but like the composition would be entirely different. Um, but it just, it looked extraterrestrial and terrestrial mm. at the same time. Like a rock is a rock is a rock, <laughs> you yeah. know, doesn't yeah. <laughs> matter whether it's 11 million kilometers away or not. Um, so, so that it was cool
1: that blows my mind as well the 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 fact that you're getting what they, you know live footage or whatever but regardless of whether it was live live or just like close to live or even you know whatever that delay is from 11 million miles away like holy smokes, technology mhm yeah <laughs> like it's just even hard like hard to to fathom that that's a possible thing
0: yeah, it, uh, the spacecraft packed, uh, a scant 570 kilograms compared to the asteroids 5 billion kilograms, but that Jeez. should be plenty to, sh- uh, shrink its 11 hour, 55 minute orbit around Didymus. Uh, Didymus is a, is a different star than ours, I guess. So, yeah, I, anyway, I thought it was cool. I just, I, I've been trying to keep my eye on, on stuff. Obviously, um, the hurricane Ian, I think in Florida, uh, delayed yeah. um for quite a while the launch of the Artemis mission, the new mission to the moon that I've been trying to track that's been trying to launch for like six weeks. Um yep. but um I've just I've got I've got my eyes peeled for this stuff. I find it fascinating and it's it's really cool. It's not science fiction. Like it's 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 it feels mm-hmm. like science fiction, but it's actually happening, which is is really, really cool. Speaking of things that are cool, the new Black Panther Wakanda forever trailer, not the teaser, the teaser we saw from comic con, but this is the full trailer that came out a couple days ago. Uh, now you've seen this. Um, I watched it last night or the day before, and it has the same sort of somber mood to start, including several scenes that we've already seen in the teaser trailer, but there is a lot more action, Mm -hmm. a lot more visuals, a lot more tech, high tech, you know, black Panther Wakanda, high tech stuff. Uh, and they set up the antagonist better, which I like, uh, which I believe yeah. is Namor is the name that's, is it Namor or is that Marvel? There's another guy in DC <laughs> that's very similar. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, it's so, um, so that's really cool. And there seems to be a lot of really cool, like visual culture around Namor, as well as Wakanda. And, uh, I'm curious to see how they bring this all together. I, I can't say if I'm on board with, I believe, is it Suri? Is that her name?
1: Yeah, I can't, I don't know if it's pronounced Suri or Shuri, but
0: I'm not a big fan of the actor. So I, I don't know if I'm just quite on board yet for po- the potential. Cause I'm, I'm not quite sure <laughs> the potential that she's black Panther.
1: Yeah. It's in the comic books. She, from, from what I remember, she picked up the mantle in the um, the comic book series. But I've seen some pictures and some posters. And, and while in the trailer, the build of the new Black Panther looks like it could be Shuri. I don't know that the, you know, the physical presence of the people that they've had in the posters look like they would be as slim as Shuri. Like it could be Okoye. Uh, or um actually I was seeing I saw Angela Bassett's character uh what is it Queen Ramonda I think Ramonda yeah Ramonda and she's looked like she's got some some pretty stacked arms in that I'm like oh would they would they pass the mantle up that would be interesting as well cuz mm-hmm. Angela Bassett's awesome I don't know if it is going to be her so I'm I'm curious to see how it plays out
0: my favorite is Nakia that's who I would hope for um right just in terms of the quality of the actor and her she's the kind of character that wouldn't want it, which means that they're probably the best character to have it, right? True. Yep. And and they did a really hard, like not hard as in bad, but they did a really good job of setting up Shuri in the original Black Panther as like she's basically the girl in the chair, right? Like she's the yeah. she's the tech person behind everything. She's the one that makes the cool tools. She's the cue. Uh, from James Bond of the Wakanda universe. Right. And mm-hmm. so, uh, I just, I'm just not, I'm just not sure. And there is no one credited on the IMD page, DB page as <laughs> character name slash Black Panther. So it's Black obviously, Panther, yeah. it's obviously meant to be a reveal. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I really enjoyed the first one. I'm definitely going to go see this in theaters yeah, now, that, now that COVID restrictions are a lot lighter. Um, I think that's going to be a fun, uh, a fun thing to go see. And, um, And I mean, I really enjoy everybody in it. So like, we'll, we'll see how it's going to go. Um, and, um, I don't know how to pronounce his name properly, but, uh, Tenoch Huerta, I think, uh, as Namor, he looks cool. Like he, he definitely looks the part and between that and all the special effects that they're doing in terms of the underwater stuff, uh, and, and the culture of like, it looks like kind of like a Mayan, um, like central America sort of culture. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're probably making it up for, you know, the comic verse, but it's they're pulling from it looks like, you know, Pacific uh, native culture. And it looks really cool. There's the poster is awesome. Have you seen the poster?
1: I've seen the poster that's on IMDb. I don't know if that's like the the print poster that you're talking about. Uh,
0: That's it. Yep, The Wakanda
1: up top and yeah, underwater folk below.
0: Yeah, they just kind of like they put the underwater folk below, but they're all upside down. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I think it's cool. It's mirrored, and they've got like the the grunts, like the foot soldiers at the bottom, and like it's it's a it's a good for a for a poster full of heads, which you know Marvel's kind of guilty of a lot. Um, (laughs) they they do a good job with it. Yeah. And and they 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 do put Shuri right in the middle, but I I I think it's a misdirect. I hope it's a misdirect. Um, but like you said, when they show that last shot in the trailer of the Black Panther standing up and it's clearly a woman in the suit, they're pretty slight. It's, yeah. not, it's not a big person. Um, no. Which is fine. It just means that it, it kind of like sort of telegraphs which of the characters it might be.
1: Yeah. But, but Nakia, is, uh, Nakia is quite slim yes, as well. Not as slim as Shuri, but no, definitely slim. Yep, that's why my fingers Oko- are crossed. Okoye, yeah, Okoye is um, she's She's fit. Like, I'd say she'd be, you know, muscularly bulkier Mm -hmm. than what looks like would fit in the Black Panther suit that they show. So it's, um, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's probably, and this is just purely speculating based on the visuals, um, either Nakia or Shuri.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, now I mean, yeah. and and a koye, like I I mean she's so iconic as, as on her own, you know. I know. Like you you don't necessarily want to lose that because that that itself over several films, you know, Black Panther, uh, and then um, there was another couple films that she was into. I mean, obviously Endgame and stuff like that. But like there was other there was other things where they did cameos, uh, yeah, and and just like the presence there and, and the the iconic um, costume. I think it would be, I don't want to say, well, it's a shame, I think, to to remove that. I think that there's so many yeah. Okoye fans out there that just for for the way she is now, that I think maintaining that kind of, because it's she's essentially a king's guard, right? Like that's how that, essentially the yeah. role is like a king's bodyguard.
1: Yeah. For for me, I actually kind of hope that it is her because, because of a lot of the reasons you said, I don't think any single person in Wakanda would question her devotion mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. the country she already has the skills to fight and then to have that Black Panther power layered on top of that. And and I guess going back to what you said, I don't think she would want it either. True. Like it's yep. like, mm-hmm. it's, um, it's, it's going to be tough. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm really
0: excited for it. That's so going to be good. No, I, I agree. I think it's going to be good. And, and this yeah. is where I think about it too, because like, I thought traditionally it had to go by blood. Like I thought it was like father to son. Me too. S- son to, to so, sister would make sense. You um, know, like. I, but I, I, but I don't know. Like I don't know. If no, they, actually, if it, it can doesn't.
1: Break it. it it would break it. I I completely forgot, and I'm ha- I just had a a moment where I forgot. But like when they have those trials at the beginning to determine which. Oh right. Who's going to be the new Black Panther? i I apologize. It totally left my brain. Like
0: yeah, you're right.
1: Um, and and, and I just saw an IMDb Mbaku that the guy who plays Mbaku. Like I actually really enjoyed his character the first time, and so uh, Winston Duke. So I'm I'm glad he's back. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it could it could go to anyone worthy really which is pretty cool that that opens it wide up
0: cuz that's how i don't remember his name hunter killer or something was the char- like it was the, the the superhero character name but i don't remember the actual guy's name um right. michael b jordan played him in the first movie but he yeah. he got he, the yeah he got it because he he beat um T'cha- T'challa, right like he
1: yeah and then that was one of the reasons why i forgot because he's actually T'Challa's cousin i believe yes because yes his father mm. killed his own brother and mm. left his cousin back in the state. so
0: right anyway yeah it's yeah it's complicated i just i'm well, i'm definitely going to rewatch the first one before before getting into this one it's
1: I, I, i'm actually really enjoying talking about this because it's it's reminding me how much i enjoyed the first one and in, in, in my mind it's it's still my favorite standalone movie in the series
0: it's one of the marvel movies where you walked out of it and it wasn't like you know Thor Love and Thunder or uh, <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy. Like I mean g- Guardians of the Galaxy was good, but it wasn't like Black Panther good. It wasn't like no. Captain America Civil War good, you know. No. Those are their own movies. They're not the they're not the big like Avengers films, but they 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 have their own thing. And I feel like some of the movies stand up, you know. For example, the Spider-Man movies. I mean, they're not 100% yeah. Marvel. Obviously there's a crossover there with Sony, but like the Spider-Man movies stand up um i think some of the iron man but not all of them are good mm-hmm. uh but then you get into the weeds of like you know the um black widow movie and like Thor. the first one was good but like you know there's there's yeah. there's other stuff where like you get into these secondary movies and they're not always smash hits but i found that the black panther film was a absolute like high quality smash hit for me anyway agreed
1: yeah, and I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Riri Williams as Ironheart. So it's sort of picking yes, up the mantle. I didn't from... know that. Oh, yeah. No. I, it's, uh... So I'm pretty excited for that. I, I haven't really kind of delved or dived deeply into the comics, but I started reading those. So I'm curious to see how they're going to do this, because in the comics, there's a bit of a mentorship, for lack of a better word right now, with Iron Man, where, like, Iron Man kind of sees that she's doing this and sort of kind of checks in and it a little little bit like kind of an ego check i think for him but also just yeah i I didn't get too deep into it so i'm curious to see how they're going to be doing this without iron man's presence in the series anymore but i I, (laughs) i'm pretty excited for that as well so there's there's a lot of stuff that i'm jazzed for in this movie
0: this could be complete horseshit but somebody shared (laughs) a picture of robert downey jr's twitter page that said i am iron man and will be again or something like that so which could be easily faked right and yeah just put on because right now his twitter page just says you know who i am so i don't know whether he changed it and disney said no 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 no, no. (laughs) you can't do that or whether whether someone spoofed it but i could imagine there being a flashback in wakanda forever right Talking about the mentor, you, you mentioning mentorship is what kind of tweaked my brain about this, right? So I could see there being a flashback where Robert Daniel Jr. appears as Tony Stark slash Iron Man in Wakanda forever, but not currently Mm
1: -hmm. as a
0: flashback to this, uh, Riri Williams remembering something, right? Remembering an interaction and, and stuff like that, or, or a digital recording, right? It could be like a, in the same way that he left a message for, um, Pepper and his daughter, right it could be it could be something like that too that that he would have had to film for this i you know, who knows um either way i'm no. sure it's gonna be good i had no idea about the iron heart connection until i saw the trailer and i was like oh yeah <laughs> you, know, you, you know that clip of the the meme of leonardo dicaprio <laughs> snapping and yeah. whistling at the screen i was like oh yeah <laughs> i i recognize that thruster sound <laughs> yeah. marvel gonna brain be good ignite (laughs) yeah i'm excited for more marvel stuff because uh and we'll leave this very briefly i did see stores on love and thunder no i'm not talking about it on this show because i didn't like it and i just don't want to end up in a fest of just like ranting it's not it wouldn't be pretty and i don't want to argue with people so um Mm. glad i didn't pay for it i got it on disney plus so it was already there What we are going to talk about this week as best we can, because, uh, Mm -hmm. we it's, it's going to be, it's an, it's a lot to, to kind of parse, but I'm still watching Lord of the Rings, the rings of power as is Steven. Uh, Johnny and I talked about it on the last episode. We talked about the first three episodes. So Steven and I are going to talk about episode four, five, and six for the great wave episode five partings and episode six, uh, spoilers ahead. Yeah, spoilers are plenty. Just warning. I mean, if you're watching this show, then you watch it the moment it comes out, like everybody else, I'm sure. uh yeah. So I'm, I don't think there's any great worry there. But on the off chance, you know, maybe you're waiting for your partner to get back and you'd have to catch up or whatever. Just, just FYI, we can't talk about this without spoiling the first six episodes, but certainly four, five, and six for sure. One thing I want to set the precedent is that we're not going to go blow by blow. So we're not going to go like go scene by scene. Uh, I mm-hmm. will however recommend as I did last time decoding TV with, uh, David Chen and Don Marshall. They do that. They go scene by scene and they cover one episode in like 90 minutes or something on their podcast. Uh, nice. and they do it very well. Um, David Chen has a good analytical eye for film and story and narrative. And Don Marshall is a Tolkien head in the best way possible and brings a lot of knowledge to the conversation and is also a fan of film and TV and story and stuff. So I can't recommend them enough. I will try to remember if I'm quoting them or pulling any ideas that I listen to on their show (laughs) and the things that I talk about. But, Mm -hmm. um, I just, I, I think that that would be a better kind of like blow by blow because on, on this show, we used to do the blow by blow of game of Thrones week to week. Um, but that would entail just watching one episode and then diving into the, just that one episode where Steven mm-hmm. and I are covering three and we don't want to be here until tomorrow evening <laughs> talking about this. <laughs> um, but I will say right away that I am still thoroughly enjoying this show. Uh, it continues to be both beautifully shot and have incredible special effects. And I don't mean things that are like wow shots. It's, it's also the practical, the costuming, the set dressing, like everything together pulls you into middle earth and things that draw attention to themselves make sense and things that are not supposed to draw attention to themselves just pull you in. And I, re- I really enjoy that about the show. I do not feel like I'm watching a TV show. I'm definitely transported when watching. I don't know about you, but that's that's kind of how I feel about the whole thing, is that they're nailing the feeling of, of Lord of the Rings the way that I want them to.
1: They are, yeah. And I wasn't really be able able to kind of articulate it beforehand, but there's a there was a really there's a really nice familiarity about it if you've seen mm-hmm. the movies already. And I fell down a down a bit of a Wikipedia hole the other day, and it's that's that's intentional. Like they a lot of the set designers and costume designers and everything from this TV series intentionally went back and worked with those people from the movies from from the Lord of the Rings movies and the Hobbit movies. And the set dressers, and just to kind of reference what they had done so that the world looks like not not just kind of looks like it stylistically, but also structure wise, when possible, they actually try to make it look like it's the same world, even though it may you may have seen a destroyed version of it in the future. They still want to have kind of the similar structure. So it's it's not even like it's just, oh, they made it look neat. They're they're really trying to intentionally make this look like the movies, even though it's got different producers different directors different writers they still want to build on the world that everyone's already familiar with like physically build on it when possible so that's why they've got a lot of practical sets to try to match and stuff so i that was i thought that was pretty impressive that they're they're trying to do right by the fans and the previous movies that were already done it's pretty pretty smart
0: yeah and i think they're also sticking with a lot of important dialogue Mm-hmm. dialogue delivery. There's certain things in in the Peter Jackson films that pay homage to the books in terms of poetry, uh, song, whether it's Marian Pippen singing or whether it's um Sam trying to recite or come up with a poem, you know, to mm-hmm. to uh, commemorate their adventures. Um, in again, most of what I'm remembering is probably gonna be from episode six because it's the one that I saw most recently, but Um, Bronwyn recites either lines from a poem or like lines from a bedtime story or something that she used to say to Theo before he was going to bed when he was scared about shadows and light and, um, look to the future where their light, you know, can never touch the shadows can never touch them and that kind of stuff. It's a basically a message of hope, like don't be scared of the dark. There's always hope sort of deal, Mm -hmm. but it's written and delivered in a very Tolkien way. And, yeah. and I don't know, maybe that's pulled from Tolkien. Maybe it's pulled from, there's similar lines. Apparently this is again, from the knowledge of Don Marshall, um, there's similar lines in the two towers, I think when, when Sam is, is talking about a poem, but is it, is it that Sam is reciting a poem? Is it, a, a something that's been passed down verbally through Lord, the, like through middle earth culture, or are they referencing a similar work that they've both read? Like, I don't, I don't know. Um, and that's fine. I don't need to know. Um, but but the through line is there. The feeling, the vibe is is definitely there. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, I really enjoyed that. And that to me, I think, is is where the show like feels the most Tolkien is when they have those sometimes there's a little bit of a pump the breaks where like the whole scene comes to a grinding halt and someone recites some sort of poetry, which is a little bit forced, but like <laughs> a lot of the times it's it's more you know, Galadriel and Hilbrand and the queen of, can't remember the name of the place. Um, anyway, the, the queen of the island, you know, they're all having a, right. a, a, a regal discussion around a table or a map or something. And the lines delivered there, I don't know necessarily whether they're, whether they're quote worthy, but they just feel present. They feel like they have pathos mm-hmm. behind them. They're not just always saying, you should do this because I told you to, or repeating these people need our help. Like, you know, an Arrowverse show or something like that. They 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 go into more like proverbial discussion, you know, like right. you might have Galadriel talking about something that her brother shared with her, or, you know, a story about elves or like, you know, they refer to the history between elves and men a lot. And they're trying to repair that, that damage and figure out where that damage happened, which is fun, cool because like the audience is kind of wondering what happened as well. And so finding, trying to find that middle ground has been, has been cool. Um, yeah. speaking of Galadriel in the last couple of episodes, there's been a lot more action, uh, which I think has, has amped up the, the show quite a bit for me as well. Not from every perspective, uh, but certainly in the, the moments where we've seen the Harfoots, the moments where we've seen some training, you know, with mm-hmm. Galadriel, um, and Numenor is the name of the place and and the, Numenor, the, right. the soldiers of Numenor where she's training the soldiers and she's saying like you can't just use brute force to, to kill an orc like they are stronger and and more numerous so you have to use skill and agility and she does this it's almost like a dance where yeah. she's, she's fighting like five humans at once and laughing <laughs> at the yeah. same time like there's there's action and joy in it which I think is really really interesting.
1: And the humans just don't know what's coming. They're trying. Mm -hmm. They're trying their darndest. And it's just like they're just at a complete loss of how to do anything against her. Pretty impressive.
0: Well, and that's the thing, like, you know, that I've always thought so interesting about the way that elves are portrayed in, in Middle Earth is that because they are essentially immortal, they certainly live for thousands of years unless they're forcibly murdered. Then... They just, you, you just get that good. Like if you've got thousands of years to practice and hone and to be disciplined as they are, then like, you're just going to be like a a second nature fighter. It's the same way with dwarves. They don't live thousands of years, but, um, apparently something I've learned over the last few weeks is that they do live hundreds of years or can live. hundreds of years. So again, if you're an ax wielding dwarf and someone that mines with a pickaxe your entire life, you're going to be built like a brick shithouse. And, and if you know how to use that when threats come to bear, then like, you're going to be a force to be reckoned with. It's like that, you know, you've got the humans that are having their asses kicked at um, Helm's Deep in the two towers and Legolas and Gimli are like 53, 47. Like they're just, they're mowing (laughs) these orcs down left, right, and center. Um, And, and I think that that's, that's interesting. And, and that's actually something else the show is doing really well, which is portraying the orcs differently than the Lord of the Rings Peter Jackson trilogy did.
1: Yes. I completely agree. I think the show um did a really good job of making the orcs more intriguing than any of the previous movies. Beforehand it was just essentially creatures that were created for the purpose of war and they were always bad and this and that. But this actually presents them as a struggling people. And they're not even they don't even want to be called orcs. They're like we prefer to be called Uruk. And they want their fair stake in the world. You know, I mean, the downside is they're, just, they're willing to kind of go through and destroy anyone in their way to get their stake in the world. But they don't just treat them as... Or they just don't present them as this mindless, savage force just trying to kill everything for the sake of killing everything.
0: So I'm confused about the whole Uruk thing because I thought, and I could be wrong... I thought that that's what Adar was referring to himself as. And that the orcs were different. But I could be wrong.
1: Oh, I see what you mean. Maybe, yeah, it's possible that he was referring to himself as one of like, because he's been around for a long time. So he might be one of the originals. Maybe that's what he was talking yeah, about.
0: Yeah, because, well, in their confrontation in episode six, Galadriel has him tied to a barn pole. And like a support. And she's she says, you are one of the, and she calls him something, and one of the corrupted elves. So Morgoth corrupted some elves, and that's how orcs started. But right. the orcs that we're seeing running around and fighting are not corrupted elves. They are the like hundreds of years offspring or, or production of orcs in general. Right, right, But the original orcs were pulled from elves. That's why orcs are stronger than humans and, and have this, like all the, not power, but they have this resilience and different attributes because they're corrupted elves. Um, but I thought the original corrupted elves had a certain name and that the orcs were just, they were called orcs for, for their own thing. But I could be wrong because Adar is very much referring to the orcs as his children, uh, yep. and certainly thinks they think of him as father. Adar is the elven world word for father, uh, and so that that could be that could be that he thinks of everyone, regardless of whether they are or not, as uruk, right? But he corrects her a lot. He cor- uh, Adar corrects Galadriel a lot because she calls mm-hmm. him something that. Basically sounds like it's derogatory. Like, you know, you're an orc or you're a vile or I can't remember what she says. It's not, it's not orc. I don't think she calls them something else. Um, but I did notice the similarity between Oruk and Orokai and Orokai are the big suckers that Saruman makes in the fellowship of the ring, right? They're the orcs that can travel at speed during sunlight and are chasing down the hobbits and eventually kidnap marion pippin right and and so in in the book i want to say that urokai are orcs and humans together in the movie it was more they kind of made them in a weird slime pond <laughs> mm, <laughs> and they just kind of yeah, yeah. came out uh in the books i want to say that it was insinuated that there was forced mating between women and and orcs um but i i'm not sure i don't remember it's been 20 years since i've read the books But, Mm. but yeah, it's either way, they're all gross, uh, and they are vile, evil people. However, I like what you said about them having a distinct, not personality, but like a, like a identity, a a distinct Mm. identity. And, and, um, Adar gives a speech where he's talking to them as if like, you know, you are, you know, you will have a home here. You will be, you know, a home for our people. Yeah, uh, no
1: longer no longer slaves, but it, brothers and sisters. Exactly,
0: exactly. Yeah. So that gives what I think uh, is interesting is an actual, relatable motivation. I'm yeah, not makes saying, you care
1: about them a little bit more. A
0: little bit. I'm not saying that murdering everybody is good. <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> it depends on which side of the story you look at it from. Because if if you if you just consider them as a people just looking for their fair stake in the world and being hunted down and killed. Of course, they're going to do the exact same thing back. You you can, you can look at both sides of every story and then, and justify it. But it's, I, it's, um, it's definitely, maybe, maybe not sympathy. Maybe that's the wrong word, mm-hmm. but it's like, it's, it definitely makes you, definitely makes me look at them differently. And uh, I did look it up while you were talking and, and you are correct. It was the, the Uruk is, um is what Adar is. He would have been one of the, the Moriondor, or I might be pronouncing that wrong, but it's yeah. uh, one of the elves corrupted by Mor- Morgoth.
0: And so in his speech, he, th- something else I thought interesting about, you know, you mentioned slaves, that the orcs, the, the, these elves, these Uruk, as they call themselves, were slaves of Morgoth. But when mm-hmm. Morgoth fell, Saruman has offered a place to live, a place to call home, a place to not be slaves to the former slaves of Morgoth. So in a way, Sauron is offering, uh, I'll say, freedom mm. to former slaves. So you can understand their devotion and motivation. And yeah. and I think that that's, that's really interesting because in the Peter Jackson films, orcs are kind of cannon fodder like they mean they they yeah. overwhelm in swarms like insects they don't necessarily come at you with hardened skills they've got sharp objects but they're not exactly going to be um super adept with everything the orokai is different the fighting orokai are trained in in, in a different in a different kind of way because they're more mm-hmm. physically capable because the orcs in in the jackson trilogy they, they almost walk on all fours. Like they kind of, they're all hunched over and very often one of their hands will touch the ground as they're moving around. Whereas the uruk are very much bipedal and stand up yeah. straight um, and are mu- like much taller. Um, so yeah, so I, I'm, cu- I'm curious about that interaction between Galadriel and, and Adar because of that separation. And it, it felt like they're not fans of Morgoth either. Like mm. it's like Morgoth was total destruction and they're like, no, we're not on board with total destruction because we don't <laughs> want to all die, but we're okay with like, you know, evil taking over, <laughs> you know, yeah. we're okay with that, but just not, we don't want everything and everyone to die. Cause then who would we eat? You know, <laughs> like I just, you know, <laughs> it has, it has a weird sort of feel to it, but he, he's a, he's a, a very good actor. I really, I really quite enjoy, I enjoy him. He played um, Benjamin Stark in uh, Game of Thrones.
1: Oh, the Joseph Wall who plays Adar?
0: Yes. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um I didn't, I didn't recognize him at first because he had a bigger beard and longer hair and stuff. Uh or shorter hair, maybe. But yeah. but yeah, it's uh it's uh definitely um I mean the acting in the show continues to be stellar. I there's not many in the show that I would say uh are not someone that I enjoy watching on screen. Um yeah. the um the other thing that's another positive is the humor and the humor in fantasy. We don't get enough of Game of Thrones for n- nearly 10 years has put like this gore and morbid spin <laughs> on all things fantasy. And I, Durin and Elrond just make me happy. I just, I really enjoy the interactions that they have. Um, I laughed out loud once I realized i I don't think I realized during i think I maybe had an idea that Durin might have been pulling something um to embarrass- oh. G- uh Gilgalad at the at the elven table they're having this dinner and they're they're talking about uh this was episode five i think and they're talking yeah. they're talking about um the the el they're talking at the elven table they're having some sort of political discussion. Gilgalad puts Durin in a position where he doesn't want to answer something so he switches and changes the subject to say like yeah, well you've got this table that's made of a of a precious ore that we worship and anything that's ever found of this scale would be carefully crafted and preserved and all this kind of stuff so it's like basically you're threatening my culture and religious beliefs by having this table so Gilgalad does what you know an elf that doesn't have any need for material things would do. It basically gives him the table. says, well, you can, you can take it home with you and let this be a gesture of good faith between our people and blah, 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 blah. And you kind of got the idea like that was kind of thick. And then moments into the conversation that you see privately between Elrond and Durin later is Elrond saying like, you were lying about the table, weren't you? (laughs) It's like, (laughs) and Durin's like, well, my wife wanted a new table. This saves me the trouble. And I thought it was brilliant.
1: I really enjoy their friendship as well. It's, uh, it's, it feels natural, which I think is cool.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think even later, Elrond is just like, as they're bantering and walking off into sunset, it's like a Calvin and Hobbes moment. Like literally because Durin <laughs> is so short compared to, to Elrond and Elrond yeah. is like, I'm telling that the table was my idea. And he's like, like hell you are. <laughs> That's funny. I need the brownie points. Maybe if I give her the table, she'll get off my back about the me roller, like whatever it was. It's like, it's like the, it's like the two guys. It's like, it's like Barney Rubble and Fred Flintstone talking about how to like, not be on Wilma's bad side. Like it's, <laughs> it's very very basic but it's dwarves and Elrond and elves in in middle earth and it works it really works and you don't get much of it because like the southlands and uh numenor and the elvish council like they're all very serious so the only mm-hmm. r- comedy relief you get are from the harfoots and from the um from the the relationship with with um, Elrond and, and Durin. And I don't want to leave yeah. this just yet because there is something about the relationship there or at least the storyline there that really bugged me. And it's it's Elrond and Gilgalad talking about the oath, about Elrond has discovered via a sworn oath that Durin made him swear on his mother's grave that you will not tell anybody that there's Mithril here, here and explains what it is or explains that they have it. And how they found it, and how dangerous it is to mine, but what it is, and what its value is—how how durable, and hard, and and malleable, and and useful it could be—more valuable than gold. And so Elrond gives his word that he won't tell anybody. And in like almost the very next scene, certainly the very next episode, it's Gilglad saying like, "So in your time with the dwarves," which brings me to another sidebar: they don't illustrate to you how long Elrond has been there. It feels like a day and a half. Yeah. And it's obviously been a lot longer. Yeah, because
1: um, at one point they do show that that tower is being built rather quickly in the
0: background. Yeah, um, but I and I don't know what that is. I think it's a forge. But,
1: yeah, they were they did need a forge, and that that's sort of what prompted Elrond to go make that connection originally. Yeah, in the series was to get the dwarves help to build because you know,
0: yeah, nobody
1: knows forges like like dwarves so.
0: Yeah, exactly, and and so that was the idea: is that the elves needed these forges to to be built. But it re- Gilgalad basically reveals that, um, what Mithril is and where he suspects it to be, and kind of reveals the whole purpose of this forge is like if we can utilize Mithril, we could save Elvendom on Earth,
1: mm-hmm. which is a
0: thing that's going through in the Lord of the Rings too. Like Elvendom is slowly coming to an end uh as evil takes over the world uh as more evil spreads the it becomes less hospitable for the elves and they have to basically bail and what i didn't like was the conversation between gilgalad and elrond because gilgalad doesn't give you any additional information in terms of what more he wants from elrond other than Have the dwarves discovered Mithril? And Elrond says, I will not break an oath. And by (sighs) being silent is basically admitting that the dwarves have Mithril. It's the dumbest fucking conversation. For as good as this show can be in terms of the writing and the dialogue, that drove me crazy. And this is where I'm going to point people towards you know the, the the decoding tv podcast cuz David Chen and I had the exact same thought at the exact same time which is all they had to do was give uh Gilgalad a little bit more of a, like where is it like how much have they found like he just i we know it's there that's why we sent you but he spends minutes asking is it there when the whole purpose of sending him was to discover if it was there or not. So Gail is like, is it there? I know it's there. Is it there? I know it's there. On a broken record, the entire conversation with Elrond. And it goes nowhere. And it re- it really drove me crazy. I, I really thought it was um, useless. It was a waste of time. And mm. very seldom in this show do I kind of roll my eyes and go, okay, this is this is getting tired. Um, but that was one of those moments where it was like, okay, Who, who did you bring over from writing for the WB that, you know, this, maybe this is their first gig, you know, like maybe they need to stretch their legs, but like, can we have someone supervise them please? Because this is not, this is not the caliber of, of writing that the show needs or deserves. And I, I really pulled me out of it. I was just like, but you already know. So what, like, but all he needed to do was be like, what, like, where is it? Or, you know, like we think it's there. Like mm-hmm. I, I he needed to do something specific. Like, have you seen it? Like, is it just a, is it a rumor? Like I, something. Um, but I found that, found that very hard to swallow. I'm not sure about you.
1: Well, I didn't, I didn't find it as hard to swallow because I guess on some level I thought coming because for, for me, the biggest eye rolly scene in the entire thing was basically when, when a was telling Elrond about it. Originally, he says, as you said, you know, we've got this, you know, sweared at yourself the absolute secrecy. You will never tell a soul, blah, blah, blah. This has got to die with you kind of thing. And Elrond goes, yeah, sure, absolutely. Tells him about the mithril. And then and he goes, well, so here's the secret. Shows it to him, shows him the mithril. And then he goes to give it back. He goes, uh, you keep it as a token of our friendship. When I know you're going to leave here and go somewhere else, within in your pocket i'm like well there's that's that's an oath waiting to be broken mm-hmm. whether he me- means to break it or not it was just like for, for me at that point it was just like well this is just a matter of time and then and then to me the the lack of severity in the outcome of the oath being broken <laughs> or the oath being broken because it's like you know swear on the mountain and he swears on his father and like all that stuff and then he apologizes or whatever but hey this could save the elves, you know, you could be the one that saves us. And it was just like the conversation they had afterwards, even though, you know, Saria broke your oath. Uh, you know, swearing on the mountain and your father's not that big of a deal anyway. It's just like, really? It's he, just...
0: he didn't break the oath, though. That's the thing. He, he Well, he... he
1: did because he, he gave it to um Oh, what's his name? The the actual, the master builder. And the master builder put it through all of the tests. So, like, he, he didn't give it to his king, but he gave it to somebody and then
0: no, they found they found Mithril on their own, didn't
1: they? Oh, maybe they did. Then
0: yeah. So uh, no, the master builder. Because I thought the, he gave it back to him. No, that's the thing. That's what made me so mad about uh, Gilgalad's conversations is that he already knows Mithril exists. They've found some. They've done the tests and they need it, but they need more. Oh, and so they find I- that clear. So the idea was that this myth that they made up for the show about a Balrog and a and an elf fighting and and the roots of the the tree that's apparently had one of the silmarils in it and the roots went so deep into the mountain that it created these veins of ore and that's what's left of this magical tree is this veins of mithril. so basically they were trying to figure out is the dwarf mountain of kazadun is that the mountain that just they happened to build their you know their settlement in is that the mountain where this balrog and and elf fought years and years ago um mm. and that's what i mean like the elves had too much information to then send someone to go spy on the dwarves it's like but if you already know then why aren't you just anyway it it like i said the whole thing fell apart from a logic standpoint which yeah. is why i think it's confusing to talk about afterwards um but no i thought the idea was that elrond stuck to his his oath and by not breaking his oath he still essentially told uh, gilgalad that there was mithril there yeah but in doing so he discovered the reason why the elves were looking for Mithril. And then he relays that information to Durin saying like, if you want to save the elves, then yeah. it's, it's all in your hands. But he's, he still doesn't say I had to talk to Gilgalad. He's just like, I've received information that you should know in the exchange of me holding this heavily, heavy secret for you. Let me bring you up to speed. And I, and I think that um that's how they get around that, which is, some wild horseshoe corkscrew way of writing that part of the plot. It could have been a lot tidier, a lot tidier. Yeah. It did lead to a funny moment with Durin saying like, say that again, say that I have the elves future in my hands. I, I rather like the sound of that, you know? Yeah. Um, and that was a fun moment, but like, everything else leading up to that was me just being like, "Bruh," it's <laughs> mm-hmm. not, not impressed.
1: I love to go back and watch it again because I didn't find it. Cl- if if what you're saying is correct and that they actually had the mithril already, I did not get that the storyline at all because for me it looked like the master builder was giving that piece of mithril back to Elrond, mm. and so that the conversation that they had that they had it a- was because Elrond gave it to the master builder, kind of put through the test and stuff like that. So, it, um, I could be wrong, yeah. but
0: I think it speaks to how unclear the show is about all of this. Yeah, If it's that important, it should have been a very poignant moment where we should remember who was there, who saw it, who didn't, who gasped and and who, you know, and and how, you know, because, because it's the kind of thing where like if Elrond is going to reveal it, it should be like a very weighted decision and it would happen slowly and deliberately and stuff like that. But yeah, Yeah. and I
1: I hope you're right because I found that so, so bizarre that he would just break the oath. Mm, Mm hmm. Not to the king, but I'll go talk to the builder guy.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And just like, I'll, I'll give it to him to kind of push through the paces. But I'll, I'll take a look to see what, you know, if, if the shape of what he hands back to Elrond is similar to what's in his pocket, then that that even muddies it up for me even more. I really don't know at that point.
0: So to to say on a couple of other cons that, that I don't like, and these are not giant things, but they are things that definitely kind of I notice when I think about, okay, well, what don't I like about the show? The other mm. thing I find is very old school television is the constant misdirection over the three episodes about who is Sauron. And they keep trying right. to make, they point at the stranger, they point at Adar, they point at some other person. Um, there's the, the trailer made you think it was some of these um, folks that are all dressed in white that show up in episode four five
1: i think i'm actually really interested to find out more about them they look pretty cool
0: they do look really cool and they look kind of sinister like they, as as yeah. white and as fair as they are they look kind of pointy and evil like they don't have eyebrows i don't think so like it's it's they're creepy they're creepy yeah uh, but and they so, yeah they
1: don't appear to have elf ears so they they don't mm. ap- seem to be any being that we've met
0: yet well they don't seem I mean, they could be humans that are servants of Morgoth, right? Like there could be all kinds of different things. True. True. Yeah. And this, this brings me to a fun point to try and put a good spin on this is that, um, something that was brought up on, again, giving credit to, uh, decoding TV, how many white figures were there? Three? Mm,
1: I think, I thought there were three standing up on the hill okay, when so one of them went down to look at maybe. the, um. Yeah. At the, uh, the impact. So the I don't remember here. all
0: of it. I don't, and I don't remember whether that was three up on the cliff and then they cut to one going down or whether one was already down and they cut up to three on the cliff. I don't remember, but they're shot in a very similar way to the wolf in the first episode or the second episode that attacks or, or is prowling the, the Harfwoods when they're collecting berries. And later on in episode five, there's three wolves that attack the stranger and the harfoots oh interesting so something that does exist in the tolkien universe are shapeshifters uh and werewolves which i didn't know i found out hmm. uh and and again like a tip of the hat to, to don marshall um but yeah like that that to me was fun and interesting it doesn't have to lead anywhere they don't have to essentially be werewolves but that would be cool <laughs> that would, yeah. like it, And it, and it's it's a nice sort of like if you're really paying attention viewer then there are mm-hmm. some little threads that you can connect here. And I think that's what they're doing with the stranger as well. I I don't necessarily think that they're pointing the stranger as close to to, Saur- to Sauron as I thought they were originally. I think they're steering it a little bit farther away. But I do get tired of these long shots of like even dialogue where they're just like, you are Sauron, aren't you? It's like, no, yeah. it's, it's Adar. And Adar is even almost annoyed that he's been mistook for Sauron. Yeah. I can't quite tell whether Adder is like a fan of Sauron or he's just using Sauron to get what he wants for his people. Um, hmm. But, but yeah, like I get the constant misdirection of is this Sauron? Is that Sauron? Like I just, I'm tired of it. I, I don't think we're going to meet Sauron this season. I think whoever Sauron ends up being, there's going to be three to five seasons of the show. I think it's going to be much later. And, I said this with Johnny a couple of weeks ago. I think they're going to appear fairer and feel fowler to quote Frodo from Lord of the Rings, hmm. uh, fellowship. And that I, I don't think you're going to see someone and go, Ooh, that feels like Sauron. I think whoever you meet is not going to feel like a bad guy at all at first. Yeah. Right. I think it's going to be a really good, big kind of reveal. Cause that's the kind of thing like that's a season ender kind of like, you know, who's, who's, who, um, so the, the but the fact that they're constantly alluding to like maybe this is Sauron, it's it's kind of annoying me. I hope they're kind of done with it. Yeah. Um then um and the other things that I that I find um tedious for me, and I think you might feel the same way, is that I really don't give a shit about Theo or Isildur. <laughs> like I just yeah. don't care.
1: They they've got a handful of characters, even um Isildur's sister, um like mm-hmm. it just, I just—I don't know what they're there for yet, because they just seem to be go back and forth on what they want to do and what they don't want to do, what they're supporting, what they're not supporting, and it's just like, but what, what, why are you, why are you there? Mm-hmm. And the, the little scenes with them don't seem to actually be moving anything forward. If what I cor- read correctly, when I fell down the uh, the Wikipedia hole the other day, I believe Amazon had to agree to five seasons. Get the rights to this show. Right. So hopefully, then, you know, I mean, they're introducing these people. Hopefully, they're, it pays off and they are of some significance storyline wise down the road. But right now, I'm just like, eh. And then just the stuff they have, like Theo do, just, that just makes me shake my head. Like, they had him, he returned to the village to get food in episode four and he manages to evade the orcs after getting sliced in the leg even though he was making splashes, noises in the well and the grass and the garbage and all this stuff. And then it's just like, there's a lot of stuff that makes me shake my head around. Yeah. Those two characters.
0: And it's not like they're poorly acted. I think it is poorly written. Yeah. They're just, they're all over the place. Like is Sildor? you know, I guess perhaps true to his character later. Cause you're not supposed, I mean, I don't think you're supposed to like Sildor, but I, I don't find that I, you're supposed to pity him according to the way that he's feeling, but everything that he's done is his own damn fault. Yeah. And, and he's just wishy-washy. Like he can't, for someone that wants to go West and leave Numenor, he doesn't seem to realize that the best way to do that is on a fucking boat. Yeah. <laughs> like, just, like, he just like, so you're going to, you're going to self-sabotage your Seaguard application, essentially your Seaguard test. Screw you yeah. and your friends over, by the way. Uh congratulations, you're a dick. Uh, yeah. and <laughs> and and then, but I want to go west. You're on an island, you dumbass. Like I just it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. The character motivation. Is, west about. No, yeah. it's all over the place, right? So and then he wants to go west. And then so he yeah. tries to stow away. And there's and so he stops the 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 fire, or well, he doesn't stop the fire. He just saves a guy that also I don't like. It's the the, the the region's son i don't remember his name um okay. i don't care either, either way um they're both these wishy-washy <laughs> like one is a rich kid that you know you're you're not gonna like anyway um and the other one is this the is the son of a general i guess i don't know um what
1: he's a captain on the ship but i don't know what he was before that
0: yeah erinder i don't remember what what it was mm. no no that's erinder's the elf um ellendil lloyd owen is is captain ellendil Um, so he's a captain, but captains seem to be pretty high ranking in Numenorian culture, which would make sense. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. Like he just, he's, he's the son of a captain, but like he just, he, he seems to want to coast and doesn't want to actually work, um, at all. And yeah, I, I don't, I don't really, don't really enjoy him. There was one conversation with Galadriel that was cool, but it was only cool because he was able to get Galadriel to talk about what she was seeing and how she was feeling. It wasn't that Isildur was good in the scene or needed. It was just that someone needed to talk to, to Galadriel yeah. for her not to be talking to herself. Um, so I like that. But I think the only other thing that, that I would say is, is a problem with the show for me is, is the, is the pacing it. And it's not that the pacing is bad is that the pacing can't decide what it wants to do. At some mm. points it moves so fast where you're like how much time has passed? Yeah. Um, I, I'm not even sure if this is the right if even if this this is the same timeline. Like there's there's a lot of questions that some of the transitions and information delivery leaves you asking. And then yeah. other times scenes go on so for so bloody long that you're like, okay, I get it. Like, you know, this is scary, or um, like for example, as I know you like long shots. So, uh, Aaron the elf and the giant orc are having this fight in episode six. Right. And, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's almost a continuous shot. There's certainly a continuous shot from the roof down to the ground. Um, so there's definitely some stunts. I think that maybe the actor pulled off as well that, or they've done some movie magic and, you know, tip of the hat to them and the st- stunt coordinators and stuff. But like that fight went on Forever the the spike in the eye and the strangle at the well and it's just like it just it was a long long time and i I thought you know most of the time i thought like erinder should be dead he's only alive because the script says so um yeah and and that's what i mean where like they'll have these pacing issues where like the fight scenes as cool as they are go on for a really long time and then they also have you know poignant information scenes that go by too quickly you're like but like they didn't have time to really say anything of any weight. So like, there's a conversation between Galadriel and, and hell And I don't know what they actually said to one another other than like, you should do this because you have to. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah. It, does that convince you it wouldn't <laughs> convince me. So well,
1: especially since it was like, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to mm-hmm. like throughout the entire thing. And then in one moment, it's like, yeah, okay.
0: <laughs> so that stuff I think is where the show s- suffers, but those are the plot pacing is minor compared to I think some of the characters that I don't care for i'd r- I'd rather care for everybody and have pacing issues than yeah. than vice versa. So we'll see we'll see where that goes. Um but yeah. like, you know, for me, like wrapping this up, like it ends on a high note, I really enjoyed the, oh, yeah t- the traveling with the harfoots the the character development and the changes that we see in the stranger who's talking now they reveal more about the stranger every time we see him uh he's he's using magic to to freeze water and heal wounds he slammed the ground to save them from the wolves and created like a he's got powers you know yeah um he's concerned whether he is peril like whether he's danger um and and um pop nori is like no no no, you're not danger you help us you're here to save us uh and so there's all all these things that happen with them that i think is really interesting and 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 cool and they're definitely pointing the stranger towards something i don't know what that is yet though
1: i feel like i feel like it's gandalf it it feels like it's it feels like it's a little too on the nose to be gandalf Mm -hmm. but they're they're building them up to be so gandalf like i'll be honestly shocked if it's not gandalf
0: yeah. And the, the, the relationship with the Harfoots and the similarity to the Harfoots and the, and the halflings and, and Shire folk, mm-hmm. like in Hobbits, like it, it makes sense. yeah. And we've got the memory loss that happens to Gandalf when he goes from Gandalf to gray to Gandalf to white in the two towers. Like he only, he sort of remembers who he is when he meets Aragorn and Legolas and Gimli in the woods. Like there's, there's some similarities there for sure, but there are five wizards. So I'm not sure which one, if the stranger is a wizard, it doesn't have to be Gandalf. No, I know. It could be Saruman. You know, it could be Radagast. I don't know.
1: But just, I guess for me, just if you're going to spend that much time on introducing a character, if if it is a wizard, like just from like a fan service side of things, like why, why would you pick one of the less well-known ones? Or why would you give all of the story about, not Saruman, Saruman is it? Saruman, yeah. Yeah. Why would you build up like, his backstory and get you like, to like him and enjoy him suddenly have to know that oh he's the bad guy in the future mm-hmm. I and mean, it could be wrong could be him but it, it just it feels like such a gandalf build-up that i will be generally surprised if it's not him
0: yeah uh, i mean the other thing too is that they do have five seasons and like the gandalf drop could also be you know later on Um, to spice up those later seasons that the the only reason I can think of, if it was to be a lesser known wizard, like say one of the two blue wizards, their job was to go to the Southlands, uh, and, and rally the people and help them not be evil and servants of Morgoth. So with all the time we're spending in the Southlands, that's possible. However, the other reason is that it might have more freedom at at Amazon. If it's one of the lesser known wizards, then you don't have to live up to or stick to all of the different things. That's one of the things that they're doing with Galadriel is that Galadriel is in the second age, but there's precious little known about what she was up to other than she was in this city, that city, and she married this guy. That's it. Right. So you've got all this blank slate to kind of fill in the gaps and make her this really cool, badass female lead. And. She's fantastic. Like yeah. Morpheus Clark has just knocked it out of the park. Still a little yeah. like frowny, but like, you know, that she's hardened, she's battle hardened and she's explained that. So, but I really enjoy all of that. And I mean, her in the battle scene when they, when the Numenorians show up and, and save the Southland village from the orcs. And like, there's a lot of really cool epic moments, including one of the first times that you see Galadriel give up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Or
0: appear to give up, uh, and this is where the plot and the writing and the twists. I was like, slow clap, Amazon, slow yeah. clap, because for weeks we've seen the orcs digging this trench. They've been boring under the under the villages and stealing people and stealing livestock and poisoning the land, and they've been covering up uh, the the ditch, protecting themselves from the sun, which makes sense because then if you've got the ditch dug then you've got protection from all three sides or all four sides without like you could just make a tent down the road right but then you'd still have sunlight coming in from the sides. um and they very clearly point out to the audience how bad the sun is for the orcs like they blister and probably die um anyway as waldrig is given a task by Adar after they successfully retrieve the the hilt of the the Morgul blade. Well, we all know it's a Morgul blade. No one else figures knows what the hell it is. Um, and he sends them off to the Elven Tower and he uses it as a key, which they've mm-hmm. discovered it to... Like, uh, Arendir knows it's important, knows it's a key to some sort of evil because he spent years, years in this tower staring at this old carving and stuff. And so... Uh, when Adar gets it, he gives it. He gives it to him and sends him on his way uh, to say, "I have a task for you." And so what he does is he uses it as a key, and it opens up a dam in the tower that releases the water, which we've seen before <laughs> when the the Ents take out the dam and 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 flood Orthanc in the two right. towers. Um, I think it's the two towers. It might be the Return of the King, uh, and. Then we realize very quickly that these trenches were meant to house this water. It's meant to direct the water from the dam uh, throughout the Southlands. And you're thinking, oh, well, this is how they're going to destroy the villages. They're going to sweep them away. They're going to, it's going to flood and destroy and create, you know, pestilence and disease and all this kind of stuff. And then they pan over to the mountain and they go inside the mountain and the orcs are chanting the name of the episode Udun and as soon as they said it I was like son of a gun (laughs) I knew exactly where they were going inside the mountain it's volcanic it's a huge empty Mm -hmm. crater full of nothing but lava looks like the nether in Minecraft honestly and when the water hits it kaboom Mount Doom created in episode (laughs) 6 <laughs> uh, of rings of power and and the cataclysmic explosion that wipes across the land is kind of how we how we end the episode, and it kind of brings back the conversation we were having about Adar and the speech they were giving about creating a home for the orcs. Well, a volcano that's constantly spewing ash into the air blocks out the sun, <laughs> right? right so you have a safe place for orcs to walk around mordor right like it just it's it it really came together a lot faster than i thought mm-hmm. but but i was like oh clever okay like that sold me i'm i'm on board i i definitely especially because that wasn't episode eight that was episode six yeah right so i i'm that really like curious a, it
1: felt like a that moment felt like a season ender
0: Mm-hmm. it did Uh, and so basically there's this long shot of, of, um, Galadriel, uh, just staring in defeat at this cataclysmic cloud of ash and fire flowing across the land at them. And I mean, I'm we know she doesn't die. Um, but you get the feeling that they just established victory. And I feel like this is something that they do very well in, in Lord of the Rings and, this is a page from game of thrones absolutely Mm. you just won a battle but while you were winning the battle you were not watching the chessboard and the real evil son of a bitch pulls a move just after you win the battle and you're done right it's like the red wedding it's like um the the battle of the bastards you know like it just there's these the rug gets tugged under, out from underneath your hero at the last minute and as cool as it is as a viewer you're just like son of a bitch the good guy's just one briefly <laughs> yeah. you know uh so yeah like that that to me was was a great way to end the episode and i really enjoyed episode 6 four and five were good but like episode 6 was like top top marks for yeah. me me too to wrap things up like i I'm definitely looking forward to finishing up the season. Uh, Johnny from the Spawn Chunks is going to be returning, has already requested a season wrap-up special <laughs> uh, to talk about uh, the Rings of Power. So it'll be another couple weeks before we talk about that. So um, everybody will have a chance to, to catch up and finish the episodes and, and, and whatnot. So that'll be fun to do. But I, I'm anticipating enjoying like the rest of the season. I know we've spent a little bit of time complaining yeah complaining about about a few things and it's not a perfect show but my gosh it's it's a very good very good fantasy television show and and i think to wrap up saying exactly what i said at the beginning it's true to the mood of lord of the rings when i think lord of the rings and how i feel when i watch it i feel the same way overall when i watch rings of power uh and so um, i'm actually i'm itching to watch the movies again like it's been a while and and I think when Rings of Power is over, it's gonna have that. Oh, there's a long wait before season two.
1: <laughs> Guess I'll break out the three hour movies. Yeah, it's a good
0: good <laughs> thing I've got the extended edition because that's gonna take some time. Um, but yeah, so I'm I'm really enjoying it. I, I I meant to ask you at the start of this, and we can wrap up with this. Like, are you watching it with the family? Like, is everybody enjoying it, or is it just you and Tam? Like, how's how's that rolling?
1: Yeah, it's the the whole family. It's it's basically become our uh, our Saturday homemade pizza in a movie or homemade pizza and uh, and viewing. So that's good. We're enjoying it.
0: Well, that brings us into the Internet Minute, which is, of course, brought to you by you, dear listener. The Citadel Cafe is 100% listener supported. If you're getting value out of the show, please consider putting a little bit of value back in. You can become a member at patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. Joining at any level will get you an invite into the member-only Discord server, shared by my personal Discord. And of course, special thanks to our Bean Counter patrons, Cosmic and Smurf 588. Thanks ever so much for your support on this episode. Patron count is at 28. That's steady on from last week. Our goal each week is to have at least one more patron than the week before. If you would like to be patron number 29, visit slash the Citadel Cafe. I have Lego, surprising no one, but they keep on coming (laughs) out with cool stuff. So I got to talk about it. And this is the Razor Crest. You're like, wait a minute, Joel, you've talked about the Razor Crest before. You even own it. Yes, I do. I do not own the Ultimate Collector Series Crest, <laughs> which is $760 Canadian. Oof. It is, I think, one of the largest sets that Lego has ever released. It's not the biggest, but it's bigger than Hogwarts, and it's just shy by 1,300 pieces of the Ultimate Collector Series Millennium Falcon. So 6,187 pieces 10 inches by 20 inches by 29 inches. It's more than two 29 is more than two feet long. Like you need space
1: <laughs> yeah. for this.
0: Um, and the way I found out about this was a brilliant advertisement on Instagram. The Lego group put out a time-lapse of the building of this thing from the inside out. So you got to see the cockpit, you know, you got to see the storage, the weapons locker, you get to see the carbonite stuff you get to see the way that the wings and the, the fuselage is all built the way that the legs go together it's all kind mm. of time-lapsed and stuff super super cool and i was like that was amazing it's like that's really detailed and then when i got to the web page it was like 750 yeah no wonder it's detailed holy crap <laughs> uh it's i mean and it looks really cool and it's it's definitely sleeker looking than the playset version that i have which i can't remember how many pieces that is but it's it's only like it's in the, it's in like the 1800 range. It's, it's not crazy. Um, I say that that's a big set of Lego too. M- m- and, and very much appreciated, but it's, it's, it's this kind of thing is like, this is weeks of your life putting this together. Um, <laughs> okay. comes with a bunch of minifigures. You've got, of course, uh, Djarin, Grogu in the hover pram, which is a fun addition. Um, I don't remember the name of this guy. I don't know if he even has a name. It's the, the mithril uh, character that he puts in carbonite and Queel and a buildable blurb uh, from season one of the Mandalorian. And um, oh. so it's got classic, classic Mando vibes. I I mean, it's a very cool set. The set releases on October 7th, which is just a couple days from now and is already available to VIP early access as of Monday, October 3rd. So uh, folks that really want it probably already have it ordered. And those that are uh, looking to get it, soon can order it this friday so uh, mm, yeah lots cool. of, yeah there's a lot there's lots of really cool stuff coming from lego and i'm a little scared because now that i do a friday lego stream <laughs> i'm not allowed to yeah. buy any more until i've built the six sets that i have in boxes right now there's, six there's, sets i'm gonna say yeah there's a lot uh some of them have been around an embarrassingly long time because they were gifts and once i realized i was doing it on stream i didn't want to cannibalize my own content by doing them offline right it's really fun to share them too because it 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 also makes the build process take a lot longer. Like I could build a Lego set, like a little 500 piece Lego set. I could build that in an hour on my own, but it takes like two and a half or three on stream because you're chatting and you're laying the pieces out and all that kind of stuff. So I I much prefer that experience um, and sharing it with someone is, is more fun.
1: It's almost too bad that it's so huge because like you said, you need to have the space for it because that Instagram trailer that you had that you that you linked as well it it does a really good job of making you (laughs) want to put that together
0: yeah yeah like i mean it's i mean i had trouble putting optimus prime on my shelf like he's 13 inches tall he barely he barely fits on the bookshelf uh and so with this like i mean you'd have to have a display shelf like a lego geared display like i'm not even sure how much this weighs you know, I wouldn't put it above anything breakable. Like you don't want this falling on a house plant, you know? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you know, like not to mention, you can imagine the smash that it would make when it hit the floor. <laughs> <Like> oh,
1: just... <laughs> having to put that back together would be just Oh heartbreaking. man,
0: you'd be better to start over again. Like you'd be better to yeah. just rip it off piece by piece and just start from roughly where you left off, you know, and like halfway up the fuselage or something. That's my Lego pick. What is your pick this week?
1: Keeping in the spirit of Black Panther, uh, there is... A Black Panther bust available, uh, Lego bust available, which is pretty darn cool. It's a, uh, again, a little on the pricey side. So you've got to be a, a huge Lego fan and Black Panther fan to um, fork out the 450 Canadian for this. But it is, uh, yeah, it's a bust. It shows the uh, the mask, shoulders sporting the the necklace and the two gloves crossed over in the in the classic Wakanda sort of. I was going to say salute. I don't know if it's really a salute or just a sort of greeting gesture.
0: Certainly how they greet the king. Definitely.
1: By comparison, a fraction of the size of the razor crest. It's measly 2,900 pieces, but it's uh, still pretty slick looking.
0: And the hands open and close too, so you could have it kind of like claws out. Like they're still facing the back, but the claws can be like either open or, or shut. Mm-hmm. So it's articulated hands. I was surprised at the number of pieces, but when I looked at how big it is, it stands eight, 19 inches tall. Um, yeah. And then it's 16 inches at the base, like as like a square. Um, so yeah, like it's not a small thing. Like it's the kind of bust no. that you would see, kind of like the Beethoven bust that you would see on a piano. <laughs> like that, yeah. that kind of like Muppets kind of um, talking bust thing. But yeah, I just, I I feel like as big as it is as it is and as cool as it is i feel like it's inaccessibly priced i i yeah. don't i i can't see myself putting that much out you know like because optimus prime wasn't cheap but i want to say he was 250 dollars. but he's like an action figure like head to toe model that transforms into a truck
1: that transforms yeah
0: yeah so like and and i get that lego's expensive but like and the other thing too is like this is all one color <laughs> Like there's a little Mm. bit of purple and there's a lot of black and a little bit of silver, but it's really just a lot of the same. So, um, I don't, I don't know. But then again, like, I mean, knowing what I know now about modern Lego and these, these bigger, more adult aimed builds, the build process of putting this together is still going to be ridiculously cool. Like the way that they are going to connect things in order to get the angles that they're using the way that they're going to create the inside structure so the whole thing doesn't fall apart all the time. Yeah. It, like There's going to be some very cool techniques, I think, in that build. So it's not just the decorative thing. There's going to be some interaction and play design and stuff happening there that I think will be a surprise for some people. But, but yeah, that is definitely a pricey set.
1: And just scroll down to see another photo of it with the, a person next to it. And the the head on it's almost the same size as the head of the gentleman show and putting it together so it's a very cool set
0: well that wraps up this episode of the citadel cafe you can get more information about the show and links to some of the things that steven and i talked about at the citadelcafe.com music for the show was composed by kevin mcleod you can email the show at the at gmail.com find the show by name on twitter and of course subscribe for free on your favorite podcast app you can even find the show on youtube word of mouth is the easiest way to support the show just tell friends about the citadel cafe and where they can go to listen to it. And while you're out there on the interwebs, if you wanna leave us a review on something like Apple Podcasts or Spotify, that helps us get into the ear holes of strangers, which is awkward, but fun for them. My name is Joel Duggan. You can find everything I am doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio at joelduggan.com. Listen to my other podcast all about Minecraft, even though that's kind of how we started this one at the spawnchunks.com. Uh, Johnny and I are gonna be covering the latest dev videos that are coming out this week. The There is a Minecraft live coming up on the 15th and Mojang is doing a mob vote. The player base will be voting in a new mob and they were releasing little teasers to those new mobs this week on youtube uh, and twitter so we're going to be talking about that in the next episode this past episode we were actually talking about something else that they're more likely to talk about at minecraft live which is the new game minecraft legends it's a real real-time, real-time strategy action strategy game coming from mojang so separate from minecraft but in the minecraft world so we spent a good amount of time talking about that on this past Monday show you can follow me at joel duggan on social media and joel duggan on twitch where i stream almost every day now because i've got the time but schedule wise lego on friday saturday and sunday are minecraft and when i have time i'm fitting in, in a lot of extra satisfactory streams and having a lot of fun doing it steven where can people find you online find me mostly
1: at twitch.tv slash and that's steven with a ph where i am back playing minecraft on a single player world and streaming thursday evenings and sunday mornings
0: you've been listening to the citadel cafe where we are fast easy and cheap but you can only pick two